Coming up, commercial land deals. Aren't land deals supposed to be easy? Is all dirt created equal? What can investors do to make land more valuable? We're digging into all things dirt with Jacksonville, Franklin Street commercial land broker, Sean Mayberry. But first, a tasty musical treat from one of Jacksonville's very own Firewater Tent Revival. Hello, Jacksonvillians. I'm your host, Ian Brown. This is the Jacksonville Commercial Real Estate Show. We're bringing you dynamic local entrepreneurs, deal makers, and thought leaders ready to dive in and unpack our local commercial market so you can invest with greater confidence and accelerate your own success. This show is lovingly produced by yours truly and Yield Coach Capital. To stay up to date on Jacksonville's nuanced commercial real estate market, real estate events, and investment opportunities, go to investwiththecoach.com, answer a couple questions, and join the team. In exchange, you'll get 107 questions to ask a deal sponsor, so you'll be armed and dangerous when underwriting your next real estate investment. All right, today I'm here with Franklin Street commercial broker, Sean Mayberry. Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is great. Oh, awesome. I'm happy to have you. A quick little a quick little tidbit for the audience. Sean and I actually go back to my my humble beginnings as a, as a high school teacher at Bishop Snyder. And Sean was a student, and I had him in the classroom and on the football field. We we may or may not talk about that later, but good times. I'm very happy to see all that Sean has done since that was like 2005 to seven, so a little while ago. But Sean, I I start with a burning question, so we we just kind of jump we jump right into it. As a commercial land broker, you're really on the front lines of development. You have an inside look into what's about to happen, things that we're going to read about in the business journal or the daily record in months or years later. But you're there on the front lines. What type of development is making your phone ring right now? Yeah, good question. And we we ask that question at the end of every year because from a land perspective, we want to focus what's transacting and what's going vertical the most, right? And 2022, we were very heavy in the apartment multifamily market. You know, everybody wanted to buy land, rezone it and go vertical with that product. And we, we had success in that in that sector pretty well. Um, mid to well, early to mid 2023 last year, many of our multifamily deals kind of uh, started falling apart, people backing out, you know, readjusting. Uh, so this year, to answer your question, what's really transacting? What are we really targeting? You know, what's really, you know, what are the inbound interest and developers from other states coming in to do? It's, it's really uh, retails, definitely top of the, the list, you know, gas station transactions, drive throughs, um, you know, shopping centers. And then the other big bucket is townhomes and single family. So, uh, the home builders are extremely active right now. Their per door purchase pricing has ticked up. Uh, we actually converted a couple land deals that were supposed to be apartments to townhomes. So um, we've been able to kind of pivot in that direction quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, those two sectors are our biggest bucket. We, we flirt with uh, a couple industrial transactions each year. Um, and... Um, but yeah, uh, townhomes, retail is really stealing our show. So we've kind of pivoted our team to get more listings in that those categories, you know, build our database and, and developer list in those categories and really attend a lot of conventions and out-of-state meetings in the big cities like Atlanta or Fort Lauderdale, where 
uh, a lot of our buyers are coming from. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Now, like, I think, you know, Jacksonville, we are area wise, um, largest country in the nation, to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like, and we have some areas you drive, you're like, oh, there's a lot of room for development here, room for development there. But as you start to kind of dive in and look at, look at a map and, and digest Jacksonville, it starts to feel like a, almost like a small market, even though it's not. How are we on, on a supply side for land? Do you, do you still see decades and decades and decades of land transactions? Do you feel like it's getting tighter and more competitive? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we target our attack and, and approach to landowners in the, in the markets that are pro-growth. And when I say pro-growth, I mean where county commissioners approve developments, where uh, locals are, are uh, accepted, you know, open to the idea. There are pockets that we don't do a lot of deals in just because there's a lot of uh, barriers to entry, uh, a lot of roadblocks, right? So from a supply standpoint, there's a tremendous amount of land available. So, you know, I don't think we'll, we'll hit a challenge from, you know, supply for us to, to work on. Um, it's just in what direction. We always study which direction is development going and, and try to get, you know, ahead of it so we can be experts in those submarkets. The the submarkets that have kept us the most busy primarily in Jacksonville is Northside, kind of near River City Marketplace, you know, uh, up to Yuley. That there's a lot of land in that direction. Uh very pro-growth county commissioners. Um, you know, that that tears us over to you know, Dunn Avenue, even, um, you know, uh, Lem Turner, those markets are still very, uh, uh, very green and really ripe for development right now. And there's there's demand for that. So those are good little pockets. And then uh, anywhere on the First Coast Expressway, the new highway that that connects the west side uh, down the Green, green Cove and hops over to St. John's County. I mean, we're piggybacking off of that. Home builders are aggressive there. There's already a lot of density. So retailers are aggressive there. Um, and uh, all the growth over at Cecil Fields keeping us very busy. So so Normandy over by Bishop Snyder. Uh, it's been pretty exciting to, you know, work in the background and, and see development grow, you know, like you said, several years ahead of time, right near the high school I went to. So it's cool to see plans converge into to an overall layout of, of that area that's been underserved for for quite some time um and uh, there are pockets that we we kind of skip over you know we're doing a lot of middleburg deals and then there's certain pockets in middleburg that are not pro-growth um you know specifically one is is lake asbury you know the county commissioners the locals the um municipality overall is just they they do not like growth, do not like density, don't like traffic, and, and they do everything they can to, to stop that. So we really kind of hop over that sub-market, and we're working a lot of new deals in Green Cove Springs. So Green Cove Springs is probably the, when we talk to investors, that's the one with the most value-add opportunity, and, and it's going to be the next pop. Um, and really, I think that's the case because you know anywhere on that expressway is in high demand, and uh, St. John's County is, is you know, flush with supply, with land, uh, but we can't get a lot of deals done because the municipalities are blocking everything and the infrastructure is way behind. So, you know, you, you have a block of development in St. John's, you have a block of development in Lake Asbury and all that pent up demand 
really has Green Cove left to flourish. And Green Cove is just south of Fleming Island. So we, we see that as the next big, uh, big opportunity. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was a long way to answer your question on, on where we see transactions happening, development happening, and where we, we focus our efforts the most. When you give me that level of detail, you can go as long as you want, Sean. Yeah. That was good. That was good. So I'm going to give you kind of a twofold follow-up. So let, let's just take Green Cove, for example, because I do hear, you know, a fair amount of chatter about Green Cove as well. Is is This is the twofold. One, is Green Cove pro-development? You know, kind of a lot of people have eyes on Green Cove. Would you consider Green Cove pro-development locally and, and on the governmental side? Additionally, on the spectrum, where, where would you say in Northeast Florida is the least or dare I say anti-development all the way up to the, the most pro-development? So an answer on Green Cove and then kind of where you see the bookends on yay or nay for um, growth and development. Yeah, so a Green Cove is they they want to be, you know, in the mix. They saw how well Fleming Island did, you know, across the, the new bridge they're going to be building. They see how well St. John's is doing. Uh, so they are going to be cautious, but now is the time to get in and get creative. I mean, they're they approved a huge mixed-use opportunity or mixed-use zoning to basically do whatever they want on the uh, Reynolds Park clay uh, clay port out there that has docks, that has an airport. You know, they want to see that as the next St. John's Town Center. So you, you kind of hear that motivation for that pocket. And, you know, they want to see apartments. They want to see hotels all around that. So it kind of, you know, spurs off of that. Um, you know, now's the time to get in early and kind of do the ugly stuff. The RV boat parks, the, you know, uh, RV parks are already underway out there. Um, the, the truck parkings, you know, stuff like that. And, and frankly, that's the best use to get in now, have some small cash flow. And as the area, um, increases in value, land value, then, then you can capitalize on that opportunity. But yeah, they're they're very pro growth right now and inflexible on rezones just because you know home builders are, are coming in pretty aggressively um, and and they're not really putting shackles on what they have to do just yet. So they're still early. Uh, it's very much like early St. John's County. They just wanted activity. You know they were very pro growth, and then when it came in too fast, then they they halted a lot of stuff. So now is the opportunity to get in with Green Cove before they before they do start putting some restrictions on, um, you know, so anywhere on 17 down, down in that direction and kind of, you know, anywhere on that expressway, like I said, I mean, governor's park with BTI is, is kind of the tip of the spear. There's already probably two medium sized projects to that caliber that are underway as well. And, and, you know, still very in the, in the early stages, but, you know, now again, by the time those get announced, renderings go out, then, you know, price values will will increase 10 or 15 percent just based on news stories. So, you know, that's what we keep telling our, our high end investors that uh, like to hold property to, to see the increased value that now, you know, really two years ago was the time to, to take them down. But there's still a lot of value to be had in, in today's market. Um yeah, and, and now the bookends, the bookends of uh, anti anti development and pro development in Northeast Florida. Um, yeah, I think uh, I mean if if we're talking about Jacksonville overall, um, you know, there's still a lot of value add compared. You know, we're not Orlando, we're not Tampa, 
we're probably 10 or 15 years away from being those types of cities. So, you know, um, you know, anything you invest in in Jacks, I think, has a good runway. We're, we're definitely one of those value add cities. Right. You know, when you when you get to Miami or Fort Lauderdale, even Tampa today, it's like, you know, the prices are too high to buy. You know, the rents are you know still going, but not not as much. So maybe the returns aren't there. Where Jacksonville's just got you know huge runway, huge opportunity, and then you know we I kind of ran through the different sectors of Jacks that are pro growth and aren't. I mean, anywhere uh, off JTB Beach and Atlantic, they're still very pro pro growth, but you know it's it's just very difficult to find larger land tracts or or even buildings that are older that they want to resell for for a decent value that would make sense for for people to redevelop. So. We, we don't do as much on, on the east side of the river. Just frankly, there's not as much supply. Um, but we, you know, we get creative here and there. And, and that's probably more of a retail sector for us because we're only able to play with, you know, two to, to maybe five acres uh, out in those those pockets. So it's more retail plays where, you know, west side of the river over there, there's, there's a lot more uh, assemblage and, and ways we could put a lot of bigger deals together. Slightly different tone, posture, pivot here. You know, yeah. with land deals, I feel like a lot of people that don't transact in land deals think they're easy. I think there's this like outside perspe perspective that, oh, well, land deals are easy. There's nothing on it. How hard can it be? Sure. I, I would take a contrary position, and I'm curious what you think. I think at times land deals can be uh, some of the most complex, but I know you have a background in investment sales. You, you've done investment sales. You're probably still doing some investment sales. Um, but kind of compare and contrast a day in the life. I mean, you were doing investment sales and now, you know, these land deals that in my opinion, often take a lot of thought and creativity because you totally. don't necessarily know the highest and best use the minute you step on that site. Sometimes you do. Yeah. And so you start getting into this the due diligence folder is lengthy. The timeline is lengthy. Um, entitlements are everything, soils and environmental. I don't want to take your answer away, but like, yeah. you know, let, let's let's talk a little bit about that because I think there's a misperception about maybe land being a little more straightforward than it really is. Yeah, no, 100%. I'll, uh, I'll start with how I kind of got into land and then I'll, I'll dive into that. Um, but long story short, I, I like how complicated it is. It, it keeps um, competitive teams, you know, out of our, out of our sector. And, and it makes us even more valuable as, as a consultant and partner, right? You know, uh, like you said, I was, when I first got into the business, I, I'd sell anything, a warehouse, a retail, medical. Um, so I did touch different asset classes, which is great from a land perspective, because you have to have, you know, an understanding of each um, asset class when you're selling land, just like you said, highest and best use. We need to determine if the land's highest value is an industrial park. Is it a townhome development? Um, is it near a traffic light with high traffic for it to be a retail play? So we we need to kind of run, you know, eight, nine different scenarios and, and see what would be the highest return for, for a landowner. And if we didn't, if I didn't have that different sector background, it'd be extremely difficult. So, and that gives us an idea of which target list we should go after. We have different databases for each sector and, and those are ever growing. So, you know, we want to use our time wisely to uh, to capitalize value for, for our clients. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I always wanted to, to be in the land 
aspect of it in certain, you know, eventually I got a master's degree from Georgetown in development. Um, and I wanted to uh, work for a developer in DC, uh, ended up meeting my wife at a Florida Georgia game. And, and, you know, once we decided we wanted to, to have a family, we decided to come back to Jack's where, uh, her parents are, my parents are, and, and had some, you know, kids support there, which worked out great. Cause when I, when I came back in town, the Jacksonville market started to flourish quite a bit. Um, and I worked for, uh, Ash properties who, does a lot of land development, you know, they um, do self storage and retail. So got exposed to how they do things, how they take down dirt, how they work with brokers. And, and I really saw an opportunity where there wasn't a lot of land experts in Jacksonville, uh, and, and frankly, in a lot of different, you know, Florida cities. Um, so I knew that was kind of the end goal. But like you said, land deals take quite a bit of time and have a lot of um, things that could go awry to ruin the deal. So, you know, I kind of had to uh, touch on the on the other asset classes early on that, you know, close quicker, definitely got you some cash flow. But um, I got a couple land deals early on in my career. And that's, you know, that's where the passion was. That's where it took off. And, you know, um, I, it was just easier for me to talk that that style than anybody else in the market. And, and since then, the goal has been to grow the team, grow the brand, uh, get the right support behind us and, and really grow it. So um, they are, you know, very difficult, challenging projects. And again, that's why we like to be the the experts in that field. So the, the harder the site, the more uh, needed we are. And uh, there's opportunities to, to have higher brokerage fees just because the amount of work that goes into it. Um, and we do have some quicker deals. I mean, we work with developers that provide the sites pad ready, you know, cleared utilities to the site, roads already in place, and those generally close a lot quicker, you know, 90 days, 120 days, stuff like that. And, you know, we like to have our our inbound closings, you know, are that bucket full. And then we like to have medium closing bucket pretty good. And then the long term ones that take two years to close. And you know, we're closing deals today that I've been working on since 2022. So it's it's definitely the long game, but we like to have a good balance. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's a good business model. We've, I've definitely sharpened it since the beginning. But um, we do like, you know, our, our competition on the land side, you know, it, there's not a true, a lot of true land competitors. There are some in other markets like Orlando or or Tampa, which, you know, we flirt with here and there, but we, we're trying to be the, the you know, go-to shop for Jacksonville and feel like we're making a good dent in that direction. Well, if you want to make sure nobody charges in and tries to eat your lunch and take your business, just tell them you're closing deals today that you started two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Especially if you tell a residential agent that. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Just run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we we do. We love working with realtors because they throw us leads all the time. They'll, they'll get big land deals. They just don't know how to price them, don't know how to, you know, give proper guidance to the sellers. And we'll, we'll take care of them for sure. But, yeah, we, we try to keep our, our realtor connections sharp just for that reason, because we, we have a lot of clients that come to town and I'm not showing them houses. So we, we typically return the favor pretty well. And um yeah, but it's extremely complicated. I mean, it's tough for commercial guys to to jump from what they're doing to land, let alone, you know, realtors that show houses on, on a day-to-day basis or deal with million-dollar waterfronts, you know, so it's it's a tough pivot. 
you mentioned something um, and it was part of a question I was going to ask you later, but I'll, I'll mention, I'll just say it now. What do you do to advise sellers? Like when you go to a seller and you're like, you kind of have a couple of paths in my opinion, you know, but for this question, what would you tell a seller that wants to get, you know, maximum proceeds from his or her property? What would you advise them to do to, you know, prepare for that sale? Um, a couple of things come to mind, but I'm curious what, what you might say. Well, a lot of times we come in as the hero. That's that's another reason why I kind of like the role is is their first couple of resources they tap. You're patient with with the buyer, and and you know we'll vet every group that we bring to the table who can move the fastest. You know we can get you X number. That's typically 20, 30 percent higher than what they've been told by other people. Um, and and the reason we're so effective with that is. We are close with a lot of the county commissioners and we know what they would approve. We know what other projects down the street, what they paid for, um, which, again, these homeowners don't follow the same threads, don't take the commissioners to lunch like we do, aren't doing active deals. You know, like you said, that don't hit the news for, for several years. So they don't just they don't have the active current comp, you know, offer scenarios that we do that are, are in that current 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 market at you know that given month really so um so yeah a lot of times we're, we're coming in as a hero and uh we 50 percent of our transactions are mom and pops you know they don't have the knowledge or ability or even you know demand to to do the zoning do the entitlements you know get permits stuff like that so so again they, they like us to come in and do all the hard work for them and help them make as much money as possible and then the other half of our business 50% of our clients are true developers. They do it in and out, you know, um, they're turning land deals or they're going vertical or they're doing the horizontal development and when, and we're bringing them in users or helping them, you know, get with our capital markets, refinance their projects um, or getting them in with our multifamily team or townhome teams that actually sell like Steve McAdoo um, when they go uh, actually vertical and want to sell at CO or sell at Lisa, uh, you know, we're kind of the middleman before that. So uh, those, yeah, again, that's the other kind of half of our business. So it's, it's a good balance. I mean, we, we like both clients, um, keeps us, you know, steady flow of, uh, of inbound. And, you know, one aspect of the business is cold calls and referrals and treating mom and pops as well as we can. And then the other is, you know, schmoozing kind of the higher end clients, you know, meeting them at conferences and, uh, you know, high end dinners and such. So uh, it's, it's a good, you know, kind of double hat to wear. Yeah. And I was thinking, and I, I appreciate that. It was a detailed answer. And I think that for a lot of land deals, it say it's the mom and pop bucket. Cause obviously the, the true developer, I mean, they're black belts for the most part, they probably know what they're doing and they're not going to stray or miss the mark too big, but a mom and pop, when you consult with them, I mean, it can make all the difference in the world. I mean, they could be looking at this property that they've had for decades or a generation as farm or ag, or maybe it's not even zoned residential. Maybe it actually has a more intense right. zoning, but they've never used it that way. Um, sure. You know, like the Alachua 170 acre deal that that I did about yeah. this time last year, that was zoned heavy industrial. Most of it was. and But it had only been farmed. So the seller, I'm not saying that they weren't cognizant of the zoning, but they'd never use it that way. It was just pastures, right. trees, load, you know, very, very 
low intensity, and they had almost nothing mm -hmm. in their file. So when you when you approach a seller and you say like, "Give me what you have on file," and they have nothing, and all you get to start with like you know tax records and GIS, you know as a buyer, like some buyers would just stop. They're like, ah, you know, like this is an empty file. I don't want to spend these pursuit costs, but that's where the value add is. And I'm sure where, you know, where you can consult with these mom and pops and tell them, you know, okay, if you spend X amount of money, it depends on how large their site is. Maybe it's some commercial mowing, yeah. you know, maybe it's go ahead and get yourself a survey. Let's make sure we examine, you know, maybe, maybe there's weird easements or some agreements that need to be tidied up. It's not uncommon in land deals to need to do some corrective deeds. We needed three of them in our 170 acre deal. All that stuff takes time. So I've, you know, you, you sit with these mom and pops and if you give them kind of this punch list of maybe three to yeah. six things to do, it's going to cost a little bit of money, but it's going to give you this right. exponential return. Cause now you, you know, Sean and your team, you can talk to buyers and say, here's the package, here's what's left to be done. And you can actually run with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we actually tried to, before we ask the seller to spend money, we, we typically try to bring an offer or two to kind of motivate them. And, Hey, this offer is contingent on, you know, you doing a survey, you doing a wetland report and there being this many dry usable acres. Uh, yeah. We want to put a little pep in their step because, you know, us coming in saying, Hey, we need you to spend money is, is difficult for a farmer to understand. But um, you know, if, if we have a couple uh, a couple offers, people ready to pay money. If they can get it to that level, it really, really motivates them. So we're, um, you know, again, it's it's our industry, so we're able to bring stuff off market before we go live. Um, and and sometimes there's been scenarios where, you know, they don't want to spend any money. So you know, our team with a signed listing agreement, you know, we'll take care of the wetland report. We have a lot of relationships, so you know, our, our wetland guys, we keep very, very busy and they throw us a, a free one or two report, you know, maybe once a year, just because the amount of business we give them. So we, we can kind of capitalize on those relationships. And same thing with our engineers. If we need to understand where utilities are, where access points are, what type of offsites may be needed, if, if there's road improvements possible, you know, we're calling our county commissioners, asking some early questions, asking for favors with the engineers that we use often and they'll they'll go the extra step for us so we again us doing this many transactions the relationships pay off and, and we can get a lot of good early um data a lot of good early information that really wows those sellers and then actually helps the buyers so so the seller doesn't have to spend that much money um to get those buyers to the table early so it, it you know there's a lot of uh a lot of you know relationship services we can bring early that don't cost them anything to that just work to their benefit. Right. So. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, let's say I put on my, I put on my uh, buyer hat right now. What, what I come to you, I want to buy land from you. What makes me a good buyer for you? Like describe the people that are getting deals closed yeah. with you and your team. Yeah, good, good. It's generally in today's market. Again, it's it shifted quite a bit. Um, 2022, we had a lot of great middle developer relationships. We'd bring them the raw dirt. They would zone and title, site plan approved, get permits. And then we'd, we would even help them resell it to the end users, you know, the home builders, um, you know, the retail end users, the hotel groups, stuff like that. Um, so we were very busy in the in the development, middle development client world. 
today's world is less middlemen. There's not as much spread available. Um, so we're really going straight to the source. You know, this year's our home builders are still in the show. You know, we're, we're doing deals with Ryan Holmes, you know, Lennar, D.R. Horton. Um, you know, those guys are really, um, you know, coming out strong, making offers and, and taking down. And, and really, we, we focus on them heavy in today's market because they have a higher probability of closing. You know, we really want to secure our sellers and, and our deals with, with the groups that have the least likelihood of backing out, right? Where in 2022, it was such a hot market, no one was really backing out. So we were rubbing elbows and, and you know, getting close with our middle developers to kind of work on two transactions on the same property. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, we, we're still trying to do a couple middle developer deals, but again, the, the price of land never really came down. It, it kept inching up. And, um, you know, our home builders are really the end users that um, are really the only ones that can pay in today's, today's market direct, right? Um, and then on the retail side, we're same thing. We used to work with developers that would buy land, get it site plan approved and sell different parcels. Now, in today's world, we're really working with the end users. We're working with the coffee shops that pay direct for the land, um, the the standalone restaurants like Waffle House and a lot of gas station deals. We're doing a lot of Wawa deals and, and bringing some new brands um, into Jacksonville. So, you know, less less developer clients this year and more end user type. And I think going into 2025, um, hopefully interest rates tickle down a little bit. And, you know, development costs tickle down a little bit um, and, and we'll kind of be able to balance both of those, both of those worlds. Um, so, yeah, those those are kind of our main buyers right now. And I've been fortunate to have like a series of top dog brokers on the show like sequentially. So I'm going to ask a similar question I've asked to some of the other guys. Um, 2024, you mentioned prices are kind of steady you haven't seen any, if anything ticking up slightly even even with the you know headwinds that started over a year ago sure are you seeing and i asked this i asked this to some other guys are you seeing transaction volume down but price steady and twofold question that and what's your forecast 24 we're recording this you know nearly at the very very end of january going into feb what's your What's your crystal ball for 24? And, and we'll keep it in your core competency, commercial land deals, Northeast sure. Florida. Yeah, land uh, land transactions certainly slowed down. Our 2023 was was about half of what we did in 2022. Um, you know, we were closing probably 80% of the deals we were working in 2022. 2023, we were probably closing like 40% of the deals we were working. So just the, the volume definitely went down. I think this year is going to be kind of in the middle, um, you know, from a transaction volume standpoint, we'll probably do 35 deals this year, something like that. Um, so it's kind of in this middle ground. It's not high, but it's not low. Uh, the home builders are really filling in the gaps. You know, 2023, we just, like I said earlier, they're multi. we were pretty heavy in the multifamily world. And I think we're down to one out of 12 apartment deals we had under contract that are still still going forward. Wow. So that was that was a big chunk of the business. Uh, we were able to kind of fill that that loss with with townhomes and home builder stuff a little bit. So um, but um, yeah, so that, that answered the first part. What, what do I see for 2024? It's really just sticking with 
those two sectors that are doing well and, and try to multiply those as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I still, 2023 was a, a reaction year. Everybody reacted and, and pumped the brakes this year. It is a bit of a limbo year going into a political race. Um, everybody's optimistic. Uh, we, you know, they, they, everyone believes there'll be a, a very small interest rate tick in the other direction. When will that be? Who knows? Um, it would surprise me if, if we didn't have uh, interest rate reduction. I, I think there needs to be some type of positive move going into the election. But again, I'm not a political expert. I think it's just wishful thinking. And, and I think that'll that'll result in a little bit of a pop. But, you know, it's not going to be a one to two percent interest rate drop, which would, you know, flood back the apartment world or, or you know, flood flood back all the developers that are you know, that were previously, previously there. So it's, it's still going to be a limbo year. Um, you know, 2025, I feel very optimistic about, you know, um, other, other states aren't, you know, our limbo year in 2024 is going to be pretty, pretty solid, I think, given our, our influx of deals and, and steady flow of deals. But if we were in other states, you know, they're, they're having a tough time. So I think by the time, you know, a positive 2025 comes around, we're, we're going to be in a very good position, um, you know, where other cities and other states are just in a terrible position right now, and they can't wait for 2025 to come back around. So, um, so we're steady, and, and we're, we're still very active, very busy, again, trying to multiply the buckets that we're, we're seeing deals transaction the most. And, and, you know, we still have a lot of good relationships, a lot of good projects that are just waiting for 2025 to hit the market, you know, so waiting for things to, to sharpen. So, you know, multiplying the deals we have now and kind of keeping those, you know, really good sites just ready to hit when the time's right, you know, um, is going to keep our business, you know, increasing pretty well. Residential development and retail. You heard it here, people. So it's kind of funny, you know, I, I think this is my 18th year in, in real estate and, um, there was a time not that long ago when, you know, the whole Amazon e-commerce craze and everyone's like, what's this going to do to retail? You know, retail yeah. retail's going to die. And, and and here we are, you know, going in spring of 20, you know, have this conversation almost in spring of yeah. 24. And, and retail is the land that you are able to move. Well, um, it's funny, yeah. funny you say that our retail teams are, are doing almost the best in the company where they used to be, you know, in the middle maybe on the low end, you know, doing leases, doing investment sales for shopping centers. And when COVID hit, I mean, I think they panicked more than anybody. They didn't think they'd do deals for a while. And they, they didn't do deals for maybe maybe two months, maybe three. And then it just came back with a wave. I mean, people saw their uh, the retail centers crushing it when people got stimulus checks. And then, you know, their sales went through the roof. So it's like, why wouldn't we expand? You know, people got money. So and and, and that that momentum's just continued with all the population we have. So, you know, the pop that wave of COVID population coming to Florida and specifically Jacksonville, retailers just said we gotta match that population coming in. So they they continued. Um so long yeah, our retail team's doing very well. Yeah. I mean if you live in Florida, we're, we have such an advantage. I have a close colleague in New York and he's a sharp dude. He does a lot of CMBS loan restructuring and he always calls me with this doom and gloom, doom and gloom. What are you seeing? I'm like, I'm just, it, I'm living in a different world down here. His name's yeah. Will. I'm like, Will, it's a different world. I mean, we have over a, a net over a thousand people a day moving to the state 
in net, you know, and in Jacksonville, we don't get the lion's share of it. Um, but if you listen to, I had Katie Matora from um, Visit Jacksonville. I had her on a few episodes ago. I mean, we get a lot of attention up here and we're getting more and more. And so, and to your point, we're getting a lot of attention and we still have land, you know, and you're a land expert. That's why I was so happy to have you on. So just to, you know, to see these insights, we have a lot of room for housing to still grow and, uh, and a lot of room for more projects. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's a very exciting time. I was born in Jacksonville. Were you, you were born in Jacksonville too? Yeah, oh, yeah born and raised. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, I just almost feel just, just so fortunate that, you know, to have, you know, really almost dumb luck, but to to have my career almost entirely here in Jacksonville, it's, it's just a great market to be a, a commercial real estate professional in. All right, Sean, we're going to pivot to our closing questions. Why do you love Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, you kind of just hit it on a second ago. I was born and raised here and and you know it is it goes a long way with my clients especially the mom and pops when you we, you could talk about what was what was there 15 20 years ago and where i went to high school and and, and it is cool i used to uh i always tell a lot of my clients on the west side i used to take my four-wheeler out in the woods where oak leaf is today and it was you know really cool to just have the road end and it was just dirt and then now it's you know one of the uh you know, sharpest shopping areas in on the west side. So everybody's trying to duplicate what Oakleaf pulled off. So that you know, it's really cool. And you know, uh, my wife and I, we we moved our kids out closer to Jack's Beach, and uh, that's such a great spot to be, kind of in the middle of St. John's Town Center, and then eight minute drive to the beach. So it's it's cool to be on kind of different different parts. But um, you know, I think that's why I love Jack's. Is you know, families here. You know. Uh, beaches here and and really it's affordable from other cities so it's been really great to you know promote the city see it grow every year and and be a part of the developments extremely early on being in the know what's happening next um so it's it's cool to to be in a city that you grew up in and, and seeing all the all the growth pockets right um mm -hmm. so that's and and you know, I did move away to to D.C. to kind of get further educated, but coming back was was the best move ever. I didn't see it at the time, but, you know, going away, getting faster pace, uh, higher transaction volume experience. And then, you know, coming back here where um, now now that experience has certainly helped because now we can balance it all where where I was at, you know, where I got exposed to early on. So. What is your favorite local restaurant? Um, I really like, uh, what's that, um, Barbara Jean's over at Ponte Vedra. That's me and my wife go pretty often for date night. And then other than that, I'm a big sushi guy. So I'm a big, uh, we got green papaya by the house. So that's, that's a regular for me and the kids. I went, I, now I know roughly where you live. I've been to that green papaya. It is surprisingly oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're, you're our, our broker buddy, Steve McAdoo. I think I went there with him. So, oh man, you guys left me hanging. We did. I got a golf cart uh, up there for you. Now every now everybody knows. All right. Yeah. Next time <laughs> we'll get you next time. All right. Uh, favorite place in Jacksonville. Um, now that I got you know two kids, uh, I I would have said the beach by myself, uh, which is still a favorite. But uh, now that we have kids, uh, there's a park near the beach called Sunshine Park. They just improved it and. We're, we're certainly regulars. I mean, we, we run into friends with kids there all the time. It's actually really good networking and uh, it's got a skate park and, and my two, my five and four year old just, you know, love it and run into other kids, have a blast. It's, 
easy to watch them and you know uh it's a safe place too so it's uh, that's that's been one of our regular spots uh, lately with the kiddos and, and a couple other friends that have kids. So, excellent answer. Yeah. I love Sunshine Park. I concur with everything you just said. All right, Sean, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, you've given us a lot this episode. Thank you very much. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me on. Good seeing you. All right, everybody, please share this episode with a friend. Let them know all that Sean has shared. He gave us a lot. Rate, review, follow this podcast on whatever platform you enjoy. It makes a huge difference. As I mentioned at the top of the show, to never miss a beat, to stay on top of education, networking, and investment opportunities, go to investwiththecoach.com, answer a couple of questions, and join the team. If you like scrolling, you can check us out on Yield Coach at Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. But for now, that is a wrap on the Jacksonville Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Ian Brown, signing off and reminding everybody to lace up and leave it all on the field. Yield Coach out.